Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Spock of the Week, uh, where, as always, I am joined by my co-host, Gregor Cameron. Good afternoon, JJ. Am I allowed to say afternoon? Usually yes. gives me a row for giving away times and stuff like that. So... I'm pretty sure we can let you get away with okay. saying the time okay. of day. Okay. Just not yes. what day it is. So, uh, as always, joined by Greg Cameron, and we are filming in the afternoon today. But we're also joined by a very special guest, Pippa, who has joined us this week on Spot of the Week. Thank you for joining us, Pippa. Hello. Nice to be here. Oh, fantastic. Uh, see if you're still saying that at the end of the recording. <laughs> uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Pippa? And oh, you've picked the subject, so uh, would you like to tell us about the subject as well, please? So I picked um, mental health within the Star Trek universe and I did that because I work in mental health and have done for a long time. I am a big Trekkie. Uh, Janeway is my captain so beware lots of Janeway Voyager. <laughs> oh. um, yeah TOS is is less of my thing so there will not be many references to that one. Um, yeah, and I, I just think it's a really important subject to talk about. It hasn't got parity of esteem in the 21st century, so let's explore whether it does by the 24th. As far as the TOS uh, references are concerned, we can rely on Gregor for that because uh, he, <laughs> he knows a lot more about TOS than me and you put together, to be fair. You're in good hands with the Voyager references as well, so um, let's say we're, I'm, a, I'm a big Voyager, not myself. Hey. Uh, more Voyager, and we are, I am going through Deep Space Nine, so another one with Deep Space Nine is Gregor can fill us fill us in on that one as well. So, so yeah, mental health in in Star Trek. I mean, Star Trek has been always been one of those programs that has taken an issue, whether it be a contemporary issue or a long-standing issue. Whether they do it good or bad depends on the episode and depends on which series you watch. But they do make a good effort of bringing these issues into the light and into the public eye. TOS did that with uh, with race and mm-hmm. bigotry and stuff like that and a few other things. And there is a few episodes in the original series that do deal with mental health. Maybe not on purpose, but they do uh, they do mm-hmm. reference it. Uh, we tend to see more of that in later iterations of Star Trek um, into like TNG. I think there's, uh, you, how much do you reckon's in Deep Space Nine, Gregor? Is there a fair bit of, uh, do you reckon there's the touch on that a bit in the, Deep Space Nine? Come on, Gigi, why do you always do this? Why do you always have to let the side down? Because the greatest episode dealing with mental health in the whole of Star Trek's in Deep Space Nine. Ooh. Yes, I'm aware of this, but you're the Deep Space Nine, not we're both mm-hmm. Voyager you know, so I'm pushing it on I don't, to you. I don't, I want, I want, you know, I thought the whole point is that we go towards a crescendo, you know, so I don't, I don't want to start with it's only a paper moon and the consummate portrayal of PTSD. Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, Gregor, you could have actually just said, I'll talk about that later and not mentioned anything and left the listeners on the hook, but you've got... Well, you gave me a penalty <laughs> kick. <laughs> me a penalty i think that's there's, there's, there's whether the topics specifically mental health in general or stroke mental well-being i think that it's dealt with in a variety of ways and across a, a number of episodes in deep space nine through dealing with guilt etc and i think maybe what the one that the first one that comes to mind when you you are talking about 
Gil would be the season one episode duet, which is largely based on an old Maximilian Schnell film, where he is has been a in the film at least Maximilian Schnell was basically an administrator in a concentration camp, and then put himself forward and confesses that he was the commandant of the camp because he had survivor. Um, guilt for what his countrymen had done duet sort of em- emulates that that storyline but they do it through the Cardassians and our Cardassian Kira um, friends and it is, it's done very well played brilliantly by the actor who I can't his name escapes me at the moment the actor that plays the Cardassian and he's a really well-known actor you'd know him if you've seen him his name will come to me before the end of the episode don't 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 worry okay. yeah I mean that, that, that that's just sort of one of the episodes uh, in terms of mental health. But as I say, obviously, the ultimate DS9 episode when it comes to dealing with mental health is, is Paper Moon. One of the, the episodes that I watched in preparation, because, uh, Pippa, you did uh, make a couple of suggestions for episodes that you felt mm. uh, you know dealt with this. A couple of Voyager ones, which is uh, fair. I, I'm reasonably familiar with the ones that you mentioned, but I decided to go out and watch, just to refresh my memory, the episode Hollow Pursuits. Mm-hmm. Because I did have a vague memory of what this episode was about, and I kind of connect with that a little bit because I do share a, li- a few of the aspects that Barkley does in this episode. Very shy, not speaking up. There's, uh, I think, there's stuff like the sort of you want. The, I mean, the whole thing about sort of reality and I think is is where this one's going. Is is like having that escapism to be able to vent those things that you can't vent to the real person or to real people. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a, I thought that was a pretty good episode for, for TNG in the respect that it, But d- the big question I had from it was where is their HR department? The way LaForge treats Reg is appalling. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, the way everybody treats Reggie uh, is honestly, it's when you go into some of the Voyager episodes mm. uh, where we have uh, where Barkley makes an appearance. Mm-hmm. By then, Deanna Troy is his regular yeah. uh, psychiatrist or counselor, whatever. Yeah. Even she's. This, you know, there's a lot of sort of dismissive yeah. nature towards that, um, which I think was a little bit of an own goal as far as being able to being able to sort of portray it properly. And just briefly, just to touch on a point, because I know this is going to annoy Gregor to the ninth degree, mm-hmm. that uh, in recent episodes of Discovery, yeah. they do bring out the uh, what I believe to be PTSD in mm-hmm. uh, Lieutenant Depp. Yeah. I've not seen anything in the in the subsequent episodes since. Now, I don't know whether they're going to culminate this into where it just blows out, like with PTSD, it can go quiet and then it can something can trigger it again. I don't know whether they're going to do that or if they've just quite conveniently gone, oh, well, she's operating normally again and they've forgotten about it. The reset. Which I, yeah, which I hope they don't do because yeah. they, they have a nasty habit of doing that. Yeah, no, I agree because, yeah, it, to me it presents like PTSD, I would agree. And the lack of confidence she has in herself to the point where she resets the interface so that there's a backup. So it's not just reliant on her thoughts and her re- responses and reaction speeds. I, it does present that way. And my concern is after, you know, she shot around the sky and was able to fly again and she could do it manually, it did seem a bit like, and so everything's all better. 
because that was the that was the chat when when the episode and that episode first came out uh, when they first got into and she was having the issues and she was sort of phasing out of uh, you know a conscious thought a little bit. There was a lot of people said if this is what it it seems to be, don't just go there you go and then yeah. leave it alone. You need to. This needs to be an arc. This needs to be a, a storyline that we pick up later on and that they deal with to show how it's dealt with. And again, it's like that's where Discovery has an opportunity mm-hmm. to show where we can be with mental health and how we treat mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Dr. Kolber, uh, I mean, that is a perfect example of how somebody should speak mm-hmm. with somebody that has issues, whether it be PTSD or ADHD or anything, you know, anything of whatever it is, that's the way to do it. And I'm just looking at Gregor because he's he, he hasn't seen past episode one. Of the third season of Discovery, oh, okay. I, saw, I saw episode two. That was all right. It's 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 all episode two. He's but an, he's an, answer, an answer to your question. I, I haven't it. seen the episode where she she flew around and everything was all right. Uh, an answer to your question is yes, they will have forgotten about it because it's Discovery writers we're talking about. Um, so that that clears that one up. Um, it's never going to be spoken about again, much as like nothing's ever spoken about again because as I as I've said before. It's not that they've never watched Star Trek, it's that they don't even watch the previous week's episode of Discovery. That's the problem with the show. They, they don't even watch last week's episode before they write the next one. I'll try and cut you off before but, you go <laughs> off into one of your full-on runs. Because... But, uh, in, in, in response to representing or, or, or reflecting PTSD treatment, I think it's also to contextualise and somewhat defend Discovery to an extent here, and that's sticking in my throat. It is a drama show. It's not a public information film. And that is true, yeah. The reason, one of the reasons I switched off after episode two, this wasn't the only re- this was a contributory reason, this wasn't the main reason why I switched off after episode two, was the, the call bar asking Dietmar if she was okay, because it didn't feel like, a dr- I know it's only 45 minutes long and they've got to dramatise stuff and they, they may or may not be trying to make stuff realistic, but it felt to me that, oh look, we're going to put, oh look, this is PTSD, you know, pointing the finger, this is PTSD, and we're going to deal with it, and we're going to show you how to deal with it now. And it didn't feel like it was written from a dramatic perspective. It felt like I had walked into a doctor's surgery, and while I was waiting, I had lifted up an information leaflet on mental health. That's so I, I, see, I, see where you, I see where you're going with this, because you you want to, to be conveyed to you in a sort of, not an, a, I don't want to use the word entertaining way, because that uh, that sort of makes it sound a little bit a bit off in a dramatic way, so that... Uh, well, well, let's take, let's go back to the Barclay episode, where everybody... Go for it, then. Yeah, yeah. Everybody treats them like... Affirmative. To be fair, with mm-hmm. some justification. And there we go, that, this episode just became an explicit... Well done. But... Um, um, the thing, the thing with the way they're all treating Barclay is, bear, bear in mind that they're, they're all meant to be exceptional at what they do, mm-hmm. and Barclay isn't, okay? So, first and foremost, again, Starfleet isn't there to act as a therapist. No, but it doesn't mean you couldn't be empathetic, and LaForge just act, just has no basic empathy. Yeah, but isn't that the point? What they're you know, not meant to. Isn't the point? Well, okay, so, if... If the core episode, or if the core purpose of that episode was to show that underneath the surface, no one else knows what you're going through, okay? Mm-hmm. 
So from a storytelling perspective, it was everyone treating Barclay like, you know, he, he was completely inadequate, which mm-hmm. manifested his underconfidence, his lack of belief. And Picard believes that it's his job to get the crew to make every pool, everybody up to a standard. Still, still no hint of any mental health issues there. And it's only through going through that process that they get through Diana and the holodeck stuff that they, they discovered that actually he, he may well be perfectly capable, he may well have the skills, but there's an underlying issue that prevents him achieving all that he can achieve. That only got to that point by having this narrative where people were blind to what his problems were. That actually makes it makes a bit of sense to just like with the with, with your the discovery issue there for you, it was the, there wasn't the narrative to sort of ease you into what was going off no it was a better it was was a box tick oh we better cover ptsd so let's have a character from ptsd and let's establish right away it's ptsd and that doctor picks it up immediately i think to be honest with you i mean i I will i can see where you're coming from i'm not going to agree with it personally because i think there are some box ticking exercises in discovery but i don't think that particularly is one of them although to be perfectly honest with you i think to be honest with you from a from a tv entertainment uh, drama point of view okay maybe maybe it could maybe it could have been there might have been something different there but this is the wonderful thing we all have opinions you know opinions are like assholes everybody's got one to be honest with you i kind of agree with, with what greg is saying about the forge and barclay and stuff like that because at that time i mean even to an extent now still mental health wasn't really it was there's, there's, there was a, a, a still a stigma towards it. You know, there was uh, not many people understood what it was. Not a lot of people understood. I mean, we're, we're now better understanding of things like autism and people that are on the autistic spectrum and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I've never been diagnosed with anything, but I could probably count four or five things possibly that, that I have, that I do, that can be classed as autistic, you know, attributes. It doesn't necessarily mean that I am, but... Everybody in some way, shape or form has these and we understand it a little bit better. Whereas back then they they didn't and there was I think they were trying to sort of tell it from the point of view of the time in which it was told. So that the audience see it from the way that everybody in the world sees it and figures it out the same way. So like Geordie would be like every everybody that I've ever known growing up that doesn't understand these things. It's like, oh, I can't. And the reason I relate to that is because there was a, a, a guy in school that I went to school with who was, um, he was very, very much ADHD in his behaviour and the way he would uh, behave in class and his triggers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing people talking about him in the way that Geordie talked about Barkley and they're like oh I don't really want to be around this guy this guy gives me the creeps he doesn't you know doesn't fit in right and that's why I kind of agree with Gregor what Gregor's saying there because that shows the reality of what's going on and then they get to the well hang on a minute this is the reality that you think it is when we get to the meat and bones of what's what Barkley's going through then that's when we sort of realize oh well maybe this isn't the true reality this is the true reality this is what we see but this is what actually is. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, it is obviously written in the 80s. I mean, before, I mean, the Community Care Act didn't come in until the 1990s. So I I do see that. And particularly if you take Guinan as being the more hopeful future voice, where she says about, you know, if I felt no one wanted to be around me, I'd be nervous and late as well. And, And she is 
the voice of how we should be and Geordie is the voice of how we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I mean, Geordie yeah. can. I mean, Jordi can talk. You know, he he can talk. I mean, I mean, he can talk. <laughs> this is the man who created his hologram girlfriend of uh-huh. the, the designer of the Enterprise, and then got caught. He can talk. That's all I'm saying. I know. I thought it was a slightly hypocritical stance <laughs> when he was looking at it. It was like, well, <laughs> uh, do you think this was just a happy accident as to what they were trying to tell, or do you think they were trying to tell this particular element of the story as well, regarding how we take virtual reality? So, like, we have games now, like sim simulators and. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like I mean, we've had The Sims, for example, and there are other sort of immersive online avatar style simulators on on the internet that you can go and. So the whole thing of how reality and virtual reality and how we differentiate between the two of them. Do you think that's something we touched on there, or was that just a happy accident? I I think it's possibly a bit of a meta point about the importance of distinguishing fiction from reality and how fiction can be easier to live in. I think sometimes, particularly with things like Star Trek, because it's such an immersive franchise, you can get people who get sucked in a little too far. Perhaps it is, as I say, a bit of a meta point on that. But whether that was deliberate or not, I'm not sure. Going back to what we were saying about the storyline and how, you know, Gregor switched off from Discovery because he felt like he was it was just being box ticking and stuff like that. Now that for me, it's like the the story element of it, which I think is getting to there's a lot of people that watch Star Trek to the point at which they is practically a religion. Mm-hmm. And, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And people people do take it very, very, very seriously. And then there are people that are casual with it. I mean, like myself, I enjoy watching Star Trek. I take it for what it is. And, you know, a piece of entertainment, a science fiction show that I love. But would I would I fight somebody over disliking or liking a certain one? No, I wouldn't. I watched, like I say, the episodes pursuits and the recent episodes with Discovery and that and I was like really invested in them because of the way that not sorry the way they've done it but the fact that they're actually talking about it the fact mm-hmm. that they're actually putting it there in a mainstream mainstream TV show and it's getting there and it's because let's be honest even though we are more aware of things like mental health issues uh, there, there's so many you know not, the fact that they there's more of them known but they're still not fully understood. I don't think, personally, I mean, I see it all the time in my job as a, as a bus driver. I see people of all different walks of life and all abilities, both physical and mental, using our services. And I'm pretty clued up on how to, you know, how to approach, how to, you know, deal with certain situations. But I see other people around me, some of my colleagues, uh, some of the passengers, some of the general public around, when you have somebody, for example, there's a there's a gentleman who has a routine where he stands up, he gets all his, he, he has a check, checks all his pockets, does all the, you know, does the whole routine before he gets off the bus. And you hear people, you know, in the background, you know, chuntering away. And that says to me that there's still a distinct lack of understanding. Oh, there's about, a huge lack of understanding. You know what I mean? Huge. Uh, I mean... The condition I work with most frequently is usually schizophrenia or schizoaffective. And the misunderstanding and misinformation around that is staggering. Mm -hmm. 
So the amount of people who think people diagnosed with schizophrenia are dangerous, it's just not true. It's statistically untrue. And yet you hear someone walking down the street responding to voices and people like dodge them because they think they're going to get a smack in the face. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, I agree. The misinformation, the lack of information and poor understanding is is huge. And I think, to be honest, I think the, the, the there's a medium here now that Star Trek is gaining in popularity. Mm-hmm. Uh, through new audiences, yeah, um, and I, I know, like I say, there's some of the old, uh, the old Bastion, uh, Gregor included, that are not huge fans of the new stuff. But hey, no, you're not going to please everybody all of the time. But I think, do you think that they they have an opportunity here to to do what the original series did with modern contemporary issues such as mental health and put it out there, even if it is obvious and in you know a little obvious for us do you think it's a good opportunity for them to to use this medium to push that i suppose what the question there is do i think all big franchises with large audiences have a duty to kind of portray these things accurately and things i suppose i do think that i think Mm. it's part of the human condition and therefore it should be explored there's plenty of physical injuries shown all the time Mm -hmm. in discovery and then older series as well but mental health is 50% of your health so it should be equally represented so yeah I suppose I do think they absolutely should do it and even if it is slightly box ticky which I didn't really see um, I don't think it was portrayed necessarily in the best way but I don't Mm -hmm. think it was box ticking I do think that is a positive thing because as I say it's 50% of your health even if it gets even if it gets people talking about it, I mm. mean, I mean, let's, I mean, we're doing this now. We're talking about it. Would we honestly be talking about it if the, you know, if they never touched on these issues? If they, oh, yeah. exactly. So, Gregor, are you still with us? But I, I think, in terms, of, it's back to the way they tell the story. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the, it just doesn't work for me. And if you want to compare, if we would just make a comparison on the PTSD one. If we compare Discovery's opportunity to tell a PTSD story over 13 episodes with a character who may or may not be a, a main character, we don't know, she's only ever said eight words through every episode she's been in, and how the Marvel movies portrayed Thor's PTSD in Endgame. You know, he, he never, there wasn't a, a resolution for Thor and his PTSD at the end of Endgame after two and a half, three hours of film. You know, he's, he, he still had it. He'd then realised he had it. At, at, when you meet for the beginning of Avengers Endgame, he doesn't know he's got PTSD. At the end of Endgame, he realises he's got something and he has to go and find his way to deal with it. And that took three hours of movie to get there. I've never seen that. I, I've seen Jessica Jones, though, which has similar, although you know from the off that's the diagnosis, but it takes a very long time and you see reoccurrent symptoms all the time. I think with PTSD as a subject matter for something like a TV show, it's there is so much to it. There mm-hmm. is so much behind it and, and both in the actual condition itself and also the treatment of the condition and, and all that sort of. So it's a very difficult subject to, I don't know if accurately portray would be the right way to say it or to, you know, to, to put it across in a way that works because you that's that's the thing i mean we we can sit I think, here i think the word is encapsulate encapsulate okay yeah I'll, I'll because go with 
you're not going to, you know, unless you're making a documentary, you're not going to make a, an accurate portrayal of treatment or symptoms or anything like that. And as I said earlier, these are, let's be, bear in mind, this is television drama. <laughs> so you can try and encapsulate what it is. And it's important for a viewer to see something, regardless of how accurate the, the portrayal is. If the show gets the message over to a viewer who can see something in themselves or see something in someone that they know, in the case of mental health, then it's been a successful portrayal. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's not a documentary. So. Yeah. And I think that's where uh, um, a lot of these producers and writers and showrunners and stuff like that, they get a lot of stick where it sh they shouldn't be getting any stick because they've got to provide an entertaining piece of television for 45 minutes to an hour and also bring in these issues. And like you say, it's not a documentary. It's and the end of the day, like you say, if they, if you recognise something just through what what they're doing, what they're seeing, and what they're, you know, the acting and stuff like that, then that's that's the job done. It's it's brought it out there. It's got people talking about it. But I think this is a point you probably will uh, agree with me on, Pepper, is that it's if you're going to do that, at least get the the basics information right and correct mm. um, yeah. I think well in order to do what you were saying about you know recognizing something in yourself you have to have some degree of accuracy you can't mm. completely fictionalize it so uh, one of the other episodes we, I mentioned to you was extreme risk the Voyager yes. episode now that as a portrayal of self-harm is incredibly accurate it's very very good and so although it's an unusual portrayal of female self-harm it's still her responses to it are really, that, really was, that was the Bolana episode wasn't yeah. it where she was uh, sort of she was flinging herself around the holodeck without the it was a uh, self-harm Klingon style that's the yeah. <laughs> I think that's the way to describe it I, thought, yeah. I mean I, I do remember that one and I, I think that one's a really good sort of like um, I mean, I, the, to be honest with you, that was one of those episodes where it was like, I get where she, you know, because it's like there's that need to fulfill a certain aspect of her life that she no longer has, uh, being a Klingon and stuff like that. So the Klingon side of her is not getting, uh, getting what it needs. And she's like, it's just constant because Tom Paris is in, he's like, What's going on? He's like trying to the the other half of this coin, as is the case with most relationships. You know, when one person has when one person has an issue, but the other person is not aware of that issue or doesn't understand that issue. And it's that sort of getting that communication between the two so that one can help the other and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I felt that a little bit because it's taken a long time for say me and my partner. Uh, for her to understand some of the, the you know the problems that that i have i mean they're not huge problems but they are problems anxiety is the biggest one that comes to mind from uh, that is something i definitely have tablets and everything for it and I'm, I'm no longer on the tablets because i self self medicate for want of a better word because uh, i use meditation uh, and mechanism. yeah and it, it works for me because I, i've always been one of those people that i don't want to be when i'm 80 odd years old rattling because i've got that many tablets inside me you know you can shake me like a pez tube and i'm rattled <laughs> um but that that was i mean that episode's extreme risk was a good example of of that for me how it's not just the person with the mental health issues that that can suffer mm -hmm. 
it's the person, they, they, it's the people around them as well. So it doesn't just affect the one person. It yeah. can affect the other people around them. I think that was a good a good one for that. No, I'd agree. I mean, Tom, you know, is trying to ask her how she is all the time. And she's just like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just tired. And he's all, well, you're actually more like you're asleep. So he recognises the issue. He sees something's wrong, but she's refusing to communicate mm-hmm. um, or cannot communicate, maybe. I don't know. So, yeah, I'd agree. He's definitely got the sort of, like the carers, for want of a better word, around her and how that's impacting, as well as the wider crew. It's that understanding of, like, when you're in that situation. So, for example, like, Balana's that need to get the adrenaline rush. For me, like, that sort of, I need to sort of do something a certain way. But I feel like I, I know what's wrong, but I can't explain that to my my spouse, my my better half my partner and I think that's another example in that episode that it's sort of like from the outside looking in it's difficult to see what's happening but it's also from the inside going out it's difficult to explain it to somebody that doesn't know and you've got that vicious circle a never-ending circle of misunderstanding yeah. and inability to make somebody understand you know and I think that was a uh, that's 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 where I take it and again that goes back to what Gregor was saying earlier on about you seeing something in what you're seeing on the TV in either yourself or somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think that is a, an incredibly good episode for that because it is portrayed quite accurately. So the way she looks in the mirror, that whole scene where Bellana's just looking at herself and it, she's not really recognising herself, that's very common with uh, depression to not mm-hmm. recognise your own reflection. Um, and so there is a lot of little things that you could... Be able to recognize yourself in and maybe if you watched it it would then prompt you to be able to do something not that that's necessarily its job but at least it would be a reflection of your reality and there was a what was the other episode you mentioned a night that's the one where they get stuck confusingly they get stuck in the void but there's another episode called void so it's yes, <laughs> yeah, that, we yes, we, we've had this conversation <laughs> several times jj about those tea. <laughs> there was um we we, we uh, for the, the USS Albert, our um, Starfleet International chapter that we're both, uh, me and Gregor, are members of, uh, we were doing Voyager Watch parties for the uh, for the 25th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And one of the episodes that we were, well, while we were doing that, when we were doing the early episodes of Spot the Week, we were touching on, was it was it mental health we touched on? Was it uh, isolation? That was, that was the... Yeah, that was the very early one we'd done. It was a second episode, I think it was. I think, well, it was uh, Stephen picked it, but I think we'd, we were doing the virus. We were doing stories relating to viruses. He'd sort of picked that as isolation in relation to lockdown, etc. But you got mixed up, I think, between the two of them. <laughs> Yeah, there was there was that sort of because we, we we went to go and watch it and it was like, hang on a minute, that's not the right one. What's this? <laughs> and like you say, there's there's an episode which which is rather rather confusing, but <laughs> yeah, I, I do it all the time. <laughs> I mean, I think, a, they, they did it in Enterprise as well, just to add to the confusion. So, <laughs> oh yeah, so, oh, honestly, I mean. There's a, I mean, we're like I said, we've, we've mentioned we're both Voyager fans. I mean, I think, to be honest with you, there was a missed opportunity for Voyager to touch a lot more on issues like isolation, anxieties and stuff like that. Because I'll be honest with you, seven seasons in, they're doing pretty well for people that have not seen yeah. other human beings in decades <laughs> that whole scene after at the end of um, Caretaker, where they're um, 
all just mingling and chatting and it's like you wouldn't be like that <laughs> no, you, you would not I mean <laughs> I don't know have you ever seen have you ever seen that meme or that I can never say that word right I don't know if it's meme or mem I don't care I'm saying yeah. I, I call it meme but there's a picture of an astronaut on the moon and the earth has just been yeah, 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 kiboshed, know you know the one about yeah. kiboshed by a, a meteorite and it's yeah, like, yeah. what would you do in this situation yeah. <laughs> and it's oh it's <laughs> I don't you know it, it really that's what I think it really does get me a little bit. But then again, that goes back to the whole, it's a TV show. It is, it and Voyager massively suffers from the reset button. Like, massively. Oh, <laughs> honestly. Um, it's amazing you know. how quickly that ship got fixed after the year of hell, by the way. I I'm know, just... I know. Yeah, given that they weren't supposed to use the replicators, and I presume they used the replicators to make yeah. parts... They also yeah. had like goodness knows how many photon torpedoes, despite initially saying they had to ration them. And how many yeah. shuttles did they get? Through? Oh God, they've been going on about this. In um, <laughs> I'm going to name drop another podcast here. The the Delta Flyers with uh, I don't know if you have you are you listening to that one, uh, Pippa? The Delta no, Flyers with with Garrett Wang and uh, oh, yeah. Robert Duncan. That one. Yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah they, they, it's kind of a running thing. I think they're trying to keep count of how many shuttles they actually lose. <laughs> And it's honestly, it's oh, I, I love Voyager. Don't get me wrong, but don't even get me started on the Kazon. Oh, oh man. I mean, somebody... when they meant to represent New York gangs or something, and it just didn't play out well. It, it didn't work, and I think to be honest, I don't think it was the sort of the portrayal of what they were trying to do with the Kazon. That didn't bother me as much. It was the it was the prosthetic. It was the look. It's like somebody had some leftover Klingon or some. Klingon prosthetics that just didn't work well and they just went and it turns out I actually found this out that the you know in the hair they have those little yeah. sort of I don't know whether it's cartilage or what I don't know what yeah. it's supposed to be but they actually used pig's ears for that Ugh. there was actually pig's ears that they used for, for, for bits of that and I'm like okay this, 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 this was one of Voyager's great feelings was uh, and this was probably Rick Berman's fault um, to not have it serialised, which it was mm. in its original concept, it was going to be yeah. seven separate storylines. Yeah. In uh, each part of space, it was going to be a whole season-long arc, and then Rick Berman decided because it was the network show, and at the time, Deep Space Nine wasn't a network show. That's what they were going to do. Have net Deep Space Nine as a syndicated show, and the money would all go into Voyager, and they'd, um, they made it episodic. Because Year of Hell was meant to be one, the Borg space was meant yeah. to be one, the Vadians was meant to be, these were all meant to be season-long arts. And I think this is why, ultimately, the, the Kazon, because they were bit part players, because they come back in season two, don't they, when they capture yeah. the ship? They come back yeah. in season two, yeah. yeah but they're not, they're we don't not, see them again after that. Yeah, they're not, they're not fully developed at all. They don't get a chance to... And, and it comes across as a slightly cheap shot because if I have such a misogynistic race with, at that time, Starfleet's only, well, Star Trek's only female captain that you really see. That's how I felt. I just, I, I, feel, I feel, to be honest, I think there was a lot of, on that particular subject, I think one, as much as I adore Jerry Ryan and I love the character of Seven of Nine in the later seasons of mm. Voyager. I personally don't agree with the reasons behind why she was brought in in the first place. No, which is why um, she and Kate Mulgrew ended up in that spat. 
with yes uh, which is which is now all resolved and yeah. all happy families yeah, yeah, and everything yeah. now but and but can you blame kate for that though to be honest with you no can you blame her? It, it to be specifically not to be sexed up like that and then you come on and introduce someone who i mean what she looks like is kind of irrelevant but what they made her wear is what made that very obvious mm. sexing up i'm so glad that they toned it down a yeah. little bit uh, later on yeah. to be honest i mean some of my favorite episodes uh, i forget the names i'm not very good with names of episodes uh, which is my failing but the <laughs> um the episode where her and this is this is actually a um specific for the topic we're talking about but um the episode where she has all her the personalities from all the ball oh, right, you know yeah. years in the bog and she yeah. uh, it all, they all come out so it's a bit kind of a little bit like maybe i don't know if it's like schizophrenia or if it's multiple <laughs> multiple personality possibly disassociative identity disorder which used to be called multiple personality disorder possibly unless you thought they were just like voices in her head and she was responding to them which would be more psychosis but uh, honestly, that has to be for me Brilliant. one of Jerry Ryan's best. It's yeah. one of two because she does another one where she uh, Bobby and Soul, where yeah, she, she, the, the doctor. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember reading somewhere or an interview somewhere where Robert Picardo was like, "It's like I was watching myself." <laughs> you know, <laughs> I could have shut my, you know. Yeah. But yeah, should we should we talk about? Deep Space Nine, Gregor, you know, because I feel like you're getting a bit, feeling a bit left well, out here. If you want, yeah, if you want to talk about Deep Space Nine. You mentioned a paper moon. Yeah, so we'll come I'm, back to that. We'll come, let's not, let's not, you know, finish, let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. We'll get back to paper moon. Um, but I, I think that in terms of mental health, I, I mentioned Duet, but this is not specifically talking about an episode here. I'd like to talk about Garrick. Oh, his mental yeah. health in Deep Space Nine because um, obviously he's isolated, he's exiled from his people, etc. But we see storylines where um, with Garrick, we are covered by addiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wired, I think, is the, the episode. We see his uh, inadequacy of living up to the, the his father. Don't spoil it for JJ, he's not got that, that far, far yet. Um, we see him with claustrophobia. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good episode, that one. As well. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with Garrick there. And, and I think the claustrophobia one you see a couple of times, actually. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's an example of it not being forgotten about. You could also see him being really reckless, like yeah. in, um, in The Pale Moonlight, mm-hmm. where he deliberately acts in ways where he could have potentially been seriously harmed. Yeah, yeah. So maybe not um, from a therapeutic point of view, but from an observational seeing the way people behave sort mm. of thing and recognizing signs of something not being quite right in, in their behavior I thought, I thought that was quite well done in, in deep space nine like, uh, i don't th- i think they missed a bit with not jadzia esri esri oh, and her confusion and, and and settling into being a person whereas jadzia would I, I think there was a big opportunity there missed to you know to, to talk about the, the more complex issues that would go on with the troll with the multiple the multiple personalities that they have. I think the only time they really go in depth with, with uh, Jadzia is the one where she has the ceremony where they all come out and all of, she mm. has to get her friends to 
take a host and then the murderer gets out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J Jalon, J Jalon or something like that's his name. And there's the, you get a bit of conflict with Jadzia hard past then, but you don't really see it that much. Whereas Esri, uh, certainly for the first half of season seven of Deep Space Nine, and you're witnessing her adjustment because she wasn't ready for it, she was on trade for it, it was thrust upon her. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a very good portrayal of it. A lot of DS9 fans don't like Esri. I actually, in many ways, prefer the Esri mm-hmm. portrayal of the, dr- the troll to, to Jad's ears, in many ways. But speaking I've of this, not... what, what is it, JJ? Go on, go on. I've not gotten as far, obviously, as the Esri Dax episodes. However, I would say that I do prefer her version than uh, Terry Farrell because I've met uh, Nicole de Boa uh, and she's such a wonderful person. She's well, a little... Terry Farrell's so cool. I'm, I'm not to take anything away from Terry Farrell. I've met her a... a few times and she's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I mean, for what I've seen so far, because I'm like I say, me and Gregor are doing a rewatch of Deep Space Nine, and from what I've seen so far, Jadzia Dax is. I mean, the way she deals with Julian is, mm. I mean, I'm, I'm loving that. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving that. I mean, this is something we touched on in one, one of the episodes we've already recorded for the Deep Space Nine watch through. And it's how I related to Julian Bashir when he initially comes out and he's like, oh, look at me, I'm on the frontier of space. I'm like, it's, you know, yeah. it's like I, I likened him to an excited puppy, you know, it's yeah. like, because I would be exactly the same. I mean, he I want to be, be put back in his box occasionally because he just... <laughs> I mean, Gregor will agree, that's me. I mean, I, I get excited and a bit carried away sometimes and I need to be, you know, muzzled every once in a while, but... Yes. <laughs> Pick a task and stick to it. I keep telling you that. Pick a task <laughs> and stick to it. Stop adding bits on. I give you. Did I give you my NASA analogy last week? Refresh my memory and. Okay, so when NASA, and this is what you need to take a lesson from, when NASA decide to go ahead with a mission, right? On the day that mission gets to go ahead, that's it. The mission is locked down. They do not add to the mission at all. And any technology that exists on that day can only be used. So any technology that comes along after that day does not go in the mission. So they only work with established technology and an established mission parameter. If they want to do anything else, they need to go and start another mission. That's how mm. NASA do it. Where's the spontaneity? Yeah, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard to be spontaneous when you're firing billion-dollar rockets into space. <laughs> What about what about when you're recording a podcast on a thirty quid microphone? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking about Esri, that brings us to Paper Moon. It does. That is a very and good episode. I do see what you're saying. The the reality of it. I think where the reality, not a health professional, obviously, but I think where the reality comes into Paper Moon and PTSD. It's in Aaron Eisenberg's portrayal and the car what the character is going through. I'm guessing there's a, a, an element of reality in the, the clinical side, the treatment side, and uh, although it's a 45-minute episode, it takes place over three weeks mm. that he's spending in the hollow suite, and it's I, I guess the story arc is that he's not cured at the end, and he's it's kind of forgotten about us because <laughs> he goes back into battle in a few episodes anyway. But you've not got there. You've not got well, there. Uh, I have seen that there. episode. <laughs> 
I have yeah. seen that episode because we did actually watch yeah. that episode for uh, we did a tribute to Aaron um, and we watched that episode because as Gregor rightly said at the time when we did this that it is one of the quintessential Nog episodes. Oh, yeah. It's it really is, and I, I to be honest with you, even watching it as a standalone episode, got given the background to because I think we watched previous episode where because mm-hmm. of the what you know where he got his injury, siege of air fire, siege of air, yeah. So we did watch that one as well. So I got the background to what was going what was going off in his uh, paper moon. I found beautifully brilliant about that episode is that you. F- I found myself in, totally invested in Nog's character in this episode, in what he was going through, the you know the 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 emotion, the wanting to shut everybody out. You, I felt myself drawn, and I think that is both a testament to the way it was put together, and mm. to Aaron's acting ability as well. So the combination of the two put together just it draws you in, and I think that's a perfect example of how. You can, you it can doesn't, portray, but it doesn't end with a, with it yeah, doesn't end with a... Nog being okay. It only ends with Nog realizing that something's wrong and he has to deal with it. That's how it ends. And I think that's the important thing with that is that it's not getting. Everybody wants a, a solution now, and I think that's what's wrong with the world right now. Is everybody wants a solution to a problem now, not in mm. three or four years' time. They want a... right. There is a huge immediacy to solutions. Mm. And say, I need something now. I need it yesterday. And it's like, no, this will literally take months. And that, I think, is is great because it's like you get to the point where it's like, okay, I know what the problem is. I know what the issues are. And I'm going to deal with those. And I think that really just says, look, this isn't something that goes away. It's not something you can click your fingers and Mm. be done with. And that is a better message than any other to say, look, you can't fix this overnight. You might not ever be able to fix it, but you can try. But it starts with this. That's why I think that one was a pretty damn good episode. To be, oh, to be it fair. is a fantastic episode. I mean, as you say, the ending is left as a whole, just a recognition of the problem. And I think it ties actually quite close to night and not the void, because <laughs> although Janeway's not diagnosed with anything and it's not there, the end, the crew prevent her from essentially killing herself. But there is no solution to that. You don't get any resolution to her guilt no. and how, how awful she's feeling. And those, what quite frankly present as feelings of suicidal ideation, they continue and they come up periodically throughout it. And I sort of see it as a similar notion that it's like these things still keep going, but people keep going. Well, this is our motivation for Endgame, isn't it? Mm. You know, this is the, the motivation for Endgame. So even when she's got them back and they've been back for years, she still goes back in time to get them back. Well, yeah, exactly. Earlier. Oh, yeah. And, and yes. Whatever you think her motivation is for that, whether you think it's Chicote or Seven or <laughs> whatever yeah. you think, or she feels so awful for having stranded them there in the first place, she sacrifices her current self. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. There's this constant thing with this feelings of suicidal ideation with Janeway, and nothing is all right, which, again, you do see with Nog, but that has a slight reset later on and it's not mentioned so much. I think um, on the subject of Endgame, I I mean, I feel there should have been more. I mean, we probably could have gotten maybe a special or a movie or at least one more season out of Voyager. But I felt that was, you know how you get something, there's a good thing going. 
mm-hmm. you know, and a, a TV show gets a bit of momentum going and it's like, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then it just goes, oh, by the way, that's it, done. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, did you watch, uh, have you seen Man in, either of you seen Man in the High Castle? I've seen the, seen the first season and I started to watch season two and then I sort of lost interest because it was too slow. Well, it's one of those where once you, if you, if you, it's one of those if you get invested in it, you're invested in it. I found that it was a bit slow to start off with, and then it started to uh, to gain up a little bit. But that's another show that was guilty of this. Okay, that's it, done. Well, I, f- I found that with the first season. The first season, it was like a small thing would happen in an episode, then a small thing would happen in an episode, then a small thing would happen in another episode. And then you got to the the last episode, and there was a big twist, and you're like, okay, but could you not have put a bit more filler? before the big twist <laughs> you know actually put a bit more story into the other episodes um so that's what i felt with the man in the high castle but can i talk about star trek episodes that have traumatized me go for it no <laughs> no how many lights are there uh no i was going to talk about these are the voyages because i've never been so angry in all my life as i was at the end of these are the voyages because there was no excuse for it. There's some excuses for some bad episodes, like Shades of Grey, there was a writer's strike. There was no excuse for these other voyages, and I'm glad Brannon Braga stood up at Vegas one year when I was there and says, look, it's my fault, and I'm sorry, and I'd like to publicly apologise for these other voyages. Mm, he also, also apologised for Threshold. Oh, Threshold's no. a joy. There it is. See, to, I keep telling JJ it's the best episode ever and he doesn't listen to me. It's awesome. Who doesn't want to see people evolve and have lizard sex or whatever it is? <laughs> you know what? I, I don't I love it just as much as you guys, right? I genuinely do. Um what annoys me about it is it's this is Threshold is Gregor's favourite bone to play with. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like every opportunity he can to to reference it to talk about it i mean let's be honest every epi- every season of star trek has a lemon episode gregor would probably say discovery has more than one but that's his personal opinion um, tng masks anyone yeah <laughs> I've, quite, I've never else. quite understood the hatred for masks i mean it's not great i'll give what? you that but it's i've never quite understood did the hatred for it. I think, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't know if it's if you would class it as the lemon episode, but I think one of the poor, a poor episode for me in TNG is Code of Honor. Mm. Uh, I, I, I felt, I actually sometimes, I cringe in that sometimes. I, I, really, I really do cringe watching that. It's not like the lemon episode, you know, the when I refer to a lemon episode, I mean like the one episode that is just that bad it's good. What's the one where Diana Troy starts flying? Oh, God. What's that one? Oh, what, the two eyes in the dark? Um, yeah. Yeah, she starts flying. It's like, yeah, that is... Or any, any episode where uh, Diana and Crusher have those ridiculous leotards on. That's... Oh, Sabrosa! Who doesn't love Sabrosa? Sabrosa. 
That's the one. That's the one I was trying to. Think. That's the one I was trying to burn out of my memory. But there it is oh, again. No. So you got the lizard sex, the ghost sex. It's all good. <laughs> but oh, oh, honestly, I mean, the, the the thing, the only problem I've got with Threshold and Gregor has the same problem is that okay, the Paris gets to warp ten. He morphs mm-hmm. into a thousand years worth of um, a million, millions of years worth of evolution. You know. And we end um, millions of years of evolution, and we end up back where we started. Okay, that's my first problem. We we go back to being lizards. We we came from. I think you're overthinking you know, it. You've just got to roll with it. <laughs> um, but the, the the main the main issue is um, so the doctor manages to reconstitute his original DNA and bring him back to being a fully functional human being and it's like why didn't they just it, it you know not talking about the show because we wouldn't have had all those wonderful episodes post mm. but if you if this was a real life situation which it isn't but if it was <laughs> you, you mean know, you haven't got to walk ten and suddenly found yourself with no, a and it's like just i've been like wait a minute if we go to walk ten we could be home in weeks yes but we have to evolve into lizards yes but you can turn us back into humans. Yes. And what the hell are we still doing here? Let's go. <laughs> I think they were worried they'd fill the ship with lizard babies. <laughs> but oh. Isn't the whole thing with Warp 10 that you can occupy anywhere in the universe at any given point? Oh, yeah. you could, yeah. So why didn't it just warp to Earth, give them a message, and then warp back? The other mm-hmm. ship that does. Oh, the Heart of Gold in the Hitchhiker's Guide. That's yeah. the other one, isn't it? That <laughs> exists simultaneously in all points. Oh, I mean, Q, you know, um, I can never say that word. Can somebody help me out here, please? Omnipotent. That's the one. Thank you very much. Um, You know, why didn't Janeway, because she was, you know, she had such a wonderful rapport. uh, I don't blame her. (laughs) (laughs) Who who was in charge of the hydroponics on the Voyager again? Uh, That would have been Kess. Kess. Early on. So why... Why didn't she grow mushrooms and have got home instantly? Oh, here we go. She was only one years old and hadn't realised the mycelial network yet. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, seeing as we have brought this up, right, seeing as we have brought the mycelial <laughs> network up, <laughs> the mycelial network, my bugbear with season three is they're jumping around the place like there's no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Now, didn't they say in a previous season that jumping through the mycelial network was killing the people that are the, the, the beings that they, lived in the Jude, What did I say earlier? They didn't watch the previous episode. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but wasn't there a fix it where Thingy got Stamets got stuck in the mycelial no, Thingy got stuck and there was some solution to that, so they didn't harm the network. I swear there was. Yeah, not to do it. <laughs> That was well, alternatives to that. I don't. I don't yeah, know if they did. I think they just said we won't. We won't use it anymore. Yeah, no, you could be right. <laughs> and where are the Romulans? I mean, I've not watched it, but where are all the Romulans whose warp drive is powered by a, a singularity? Yeah. So why would that? Why would the dilute burn have affected them? It shouldn't have. Yeah. Hmm. It's the Romulans. Where, where are the Borg? I think Bit they're the deliberately. Board. I think they're deliberately keeping them out of the way. Well, the, the there aren't any Borg actually. I mean, obviously they show up in Picard. But... I think, to be perfectly honest with you, the Borg. Now, they were the best villains in Star Trek for me originally when we first seen them. Yeah. And then Janeway went and domesticated one. They've never been the same since for me. I mean, I was that was 
no, that started with Picard. He was the first oh, with one. Oh, Hugh. Yeah. 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 With Hugh, yes, but it was it was given an individuality. Yes, fair enough. But then he was like, on you go, there you go, away, you know. Whereas when I say domesticated one, she was on the ship for three or four, six, four, six you know. <laughs> She was there for a long time, and she's still here. She, you know, she's annoying Picard now. Um, <laughs> oh, um, you know, <laughs> she had certain feelings about her and didn't want her to leave. <laughs> I think there's there's a few. I mean, the thing is, is we're actually uh, one thing I will say if we're talking about species in Discovery is we're seeing, okay, not in the not in the forefront, but in the background, we are seeing Tellarites which I don't think we see a lot of in other seasons. So, you know, we're seeing a lot more of them. I mean, okay, fair enough. They're all getting blown up, but we do see them. That's an interesting thing. I think, to be honest with you, I think, uh, like I say, the Borg... I mean, I was going to say the Borg were the greatest TV sci-fi villains ever, but that would be completely incorrect. As a Stargate SG-1 fan, that would be... uh, no, 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 even better than Cybermen, Replicators, mm. those, I mean, there's no dialogue with the Replicators, there's no, they just, they just reproduce, eat everything in sight. It's like a Tribble. Like yeah, a bit like a Tribble, but like, if a Tribble like in a Dalek. Like a Gigi. Like a Gigi. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> well, um, we have been going at this for... Oh, God, must be at least an hour by now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... uh, Well, um, we would love uh, to continue and chat about all things Star Trek and all things relating to mental health till the cows come home, but unfortunately, the linear nature of time, and I have borrowed that from Dan Decker, so uh, I do apologise, Dan Decker, if you are listening. I've stole it. But, yeah, we have to come to an end at some point. We would like to have you back on again. We haven't scared you off by now. Are you hey. talking to Ian again here? <laughs> or listener? Yes, our one list. Hey, don't knock it, right? At the time of recording, we have we are now worldwide. Our biggest audience is in the United States of America in Texas. Or yeah. it was. <laughs> what are we going to do, though? What's going to happen to our audience when everybody's got their hobbies back and we're all allowed out again? Yeah. That's oh, oh, my, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. When this goes out, maybe we are all allowed out. I may have. Oh, oh. I don't know. Wait, wait. Oh. How would you say that? Now you've just cursed it. <laughs> I, think for the, I think I will break the dating rule on this particular podcast because we are recording this exactly five days before we go back into a three-week lockdown. I like your optimism, three weeks. Yeah, I'm being optimistic. I am re- I'm being optimistic that it's only going to be three weeks. Mm. Um, if When this goes to air and you're still in lockdown, do not hold us to that. <laughs> oh, honestly, I mean, that is something we could discuss in a completely different vein, hey. uh, is how this has all affected everybody. The fundamental, what I will do is a personal thought from myself is just do what you can for those around you. We have this wonderful thing. We're recording this via Zoom. Um, There's not just Zoom, there's Skype, there's Facebook Messenger, there's the telephone. You know what I mean? If the person on the other end of the phone that uh, can't get out, 
hasn't been able to get out, just talk to them, just ring them up, Skype call them, whatever. That is better than nothing. And that is the thing that I think we all need to remember is we are doing this in a world where we can communicate. It's not ideal. It's not brilliant. I personally am sick to the high teeth of it, but it is what it is. So stay safe. Do what you need to do, guys. If there's anybody left listening to this and they haven't slit their throats by now, <laughs> for this morbid talk of, uh, you know, or me just yapping away. Thank you for listening. It's been an absolutely great pleasure. So as we always do, where can you be found? What are you up to these days? And is there anything you would like to plug, talk about? Uh, anything at all, now's your opportunity. That was grand. I really enjoyed that. That was really interesting, a good exploration, um, some interesting discovery conversations. (laughs) I would quite like to dive back into that at one point. And yeah, that mycelial network question, I'm now going to have to watch series two of Discovery to find out. But yeah. I'm I'm not going to watch it. (laughs) You will never get a positive. Not not going to put myself through that again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Guys, thank you for listening. Ian, thank you for listening. Uh, he is, uh, we, we often joke about him being our only listener. I mean, the, the one show where we had no downloads was the show he was actually on. <laughs> because he was actually there listening to us. Um, no, thank you very much, guys. Um, I'm going to leave the show closing, actually, to Gregor this time for a change. I'm going to put him on the spot and let him close out the show. Let me close out the show. Yeah, let you close out the show. Okay, Uh, well, you've already said thanks, team, but I'd like to pass my own personal thanks on to Ian and Aberdeen. Thanks for listening and downloading once again, Ian. Thanks to Pip for coming on. It's been a pleasure. I would definitely love to have you on again and definitely have to have a discovery chat. That is for sure. And uh, I hope you've all had enough. I don't want to date it, but I hope you have a lovely Christmas and New Year. Or maybe you've had a lovely Christmas and New Year. I don't know, because I don't know when this is. <laughs> My clock's not working. I, I went through a time, I went through a wormhole. I seen this uh, figure in a sort of like red angel outfit, and I decided to follow them through this wormhole. So I have no idea what the date is at all. And there's some intelligent life around here somewhere, but I don't know where. Um, but maybe I'll find that out uh, for the next day, uh, the next podcast. And thanks for listening. How was that for a finish? That was all right, actually. Yeah, I think you did well. Don't know if I'll let you do it again, but oh, try and stop me. <laughs> uh, well, you are in charge of the recording, Gregor. So uh, yeah, that would be difficult. Right, okay. <laughs>